Because the bottom line is, when that Second Amendment was written, whether the framers liked it or not, they wrote it for everybody. And I am everybody. And the law-abiding citizens of this city are everybody. And we want our rights, and we want to keep our rights. And by God, we're going to keep it. Come hell or high water. Unregulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. The rights of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yes. Please, gentlemen. In search for truth and justice, the Will Kanishi Show featuring your, yours truly, Will Kanishi. Today's episode will feature and be on these proposed gun laws out in Virginia, how the National Guard, the militia, Posse Comitatus, and of course, our wonderful Second Amendment, along with other amendments of the Bill of Rights in the Constitution, and how all this applies and plays out, and finally, what would be President Trump's ultimate way of squashing all of this. So stay tuned. We have a stack pack show for you today. So as you heard, as you were coming into the show, there was a gentleman down in North Carolina that was giving his thoughts on gun control laws in that particular state. Then you heard some statesmen actually reading the Second Amendment. But before we get into that, I want to talk about these actual proposed gun laws in Virginia and what they mean. Now, I don't have the actual number of the law. You can go look that up yourself if you want, but here we go. The first one is no protesting or gathering of citizens while armed. And it's also outlawing the unorganized militia because if one or more people get together armed into a group, that's considered to be illegal. And we have laws on the books, and I'll talk about a formed, organized, and unorganized militia a little later. And therefore, if one or more persons cannot get together that are armed under this law, proposed bill to be a law, then that means persons that get together for firearms training, guess what? They can't conduct firearms training. So there's one. Now, the next law actually gets into the actual type of weapons. So first, no assault weapon pretty much squashes all of them. So anyone who has an AR-15, has a AR, AK-47 semi-automatic rifle, that's, that's out. Plus, shotguns that have more than seven round capacity or shotguns that have pistol grips would also be outlawed. And any magazine that has more than 10 rounds in it, plus any gun that weighs more than 50 ounces. Now, folks, it, it kind of blows my mind that you're going to put a law on the books that a handgun that weighs more than 50 ounces is going to be outlawed. So if you're a peaceful gathering, but you have to have happen to have your weapon on you for your self-protection, and it's more than two people, they can arrest you under this law and put you in jail. And if your gun happens to weigh more than 50 ounces, or if it happens to have more than 10 rounds in the magazine, they can arrest you and put you in jail. So the governor, Northrum. Alert, alert. Warning, warning, warning. This is the asshole detection system. Battle station, battle station. Who, by the way, this turd is the one who was on television called out by the President of the United States on the abortion, late-term abortion, where he says, well, if the baby is born, then we'll make the baby comfortable, and then the doctor and the baby can talk about whether or not they want to keep the child, a born child, 
basically they're deciding whether or not they're going to execute a newborn baby. Not only did he do that, but in his college yearbook, there was him in the yearbook. Now, they haven't come out and said which one was which, but both are bad because in one of the pictures, in the picture, he's either the guy in blackface or he's the guy in the KKK outfit with the white pointy hat. So this is the kind of guy you deal with. Oh, and by the way, he is a doctor. And not only is he a doctor, he's a pediatrician. So this pediatrician who runs around either in blackface, a KKK outfit, and starts talking about killing babies after they're born is the same turd that needs to be flushed down the shitter. that is talking about wanting to take away the Second Amendment rights of the people of the state of Virginia. And he also has just dumped in somewhere in the tune of $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars, into the Department of Corrections of the state of Virginia, gearing up for the arrest and imprisonment of all the people that he plans on arresting and putting in jail in violation of their Second Amendment rights. Well, look what we got here. You're a fucking idiot! You're a fucking idiot, you dickhead! So, folks, I can't stress enough on January 20th. I don't care if you don't live in Virginia because this is just a start. General quarters, general quarters, all hands man your battle stations, all hands man your battle stations. In the 20th of January of next year, be down in the state capitol because normally I stay back and tell what's going on. This is one of the few times I'm leaving my house and I'm going down there. So if you don't hear anything from me for a few days after January 20th, you know where I'm at because they didn't throw my ass in jail. Okay, because I'm going to tell you flat out, and I make no bones about it. I own guns, and if they come knocking on my door to get my guns, they will get them out of my warm dead hands with the freaking barrel still smoking, because it will be bullets first. Okay, and I there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs>
you come knocking, you know what you got coming if you come knocking on my door, so stay the hell away. That's the best thing I can tell you for, and I think I'm speaking for a lot of people in the state of Virginia, thousands of people in the state of Virginia, and millions of people across the United States on that statement. So let's get into the Constitution. And what does the Constitution say about keeping and bearing arms? Well, when you came into my show, you heard the Second Amendment being read by a constitutionalist, uh, colonial page. It was from a colonial movie where they were putting a movie out on the writing of the Constitution. And I'm going to say it again. A well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Period. The right of the people. It doesn't say, well... You can uh, have a shotgun that has holds five shells in it, but you can't have one that holds seven shells. It doesn't say you can't have a, a gun that holds more than 15, more than 10 bullets in the magazine. It doesn't specify. It says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, period. Now, the state of Virginia Constitution is even more conservative and stringent than the United States Constitution. I'm not going to get into the Virginia State Constitution because if I can prove that the United States Constitution is being violated, the Virginia State Constitution is is well covered. Trust me on that. Now, let's talk about the Third Amendment. The Third Amendment forbids the housing of military troops. Well, they've kind of got around that a little bit with the National Guard. And a little bit later, I'm going to explain the National Guard, their duties, what they can be used for, and how kind of they, they've gotten around the Third Amendment on housing of military troops because technically a National Guard member is a state militia troop, not a federalized troop. So he has every right to live in his house while serving as a soldier for the state. Let's put it that way. We'll get into that later. Now, on the Fourth Amendment, that protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures so therefore when they come by to knock on your door to get your guns or they stop you in your car and take your lawfully owned firearm away from you that is against the fourth amendment of illegal search and seizure so there's violation of the constitution number two let's talk about the fifth amendment now most people Look at the Fifth Amendment as self-incrimination. That's where you get the Miranda Law, have a right to remain silent, anything you say can and will be. You know that. But further on in the Fifth Amendment, it says any proceeding that denies a citizen life, liberty, or property requires the government to compensate the citizen when it takes its property for public use. So therefore, not only if you take property under eminent domain for public use you have to comp- be compensated for that but you also cannot deny a citizen life liberty or property so when you are committing a violation of the fourth amendment by the illegal search and seizure and you take somebody's gun away you're now violating their fifth amendment right so the sixth seventh and eighth are about process and excessive bail and having a jury trial and so forth and so on. But let's talk about the Ninth Amendment. Because the Ninth Amendment says the enumeration to the Constitution of 
certain rights shall not be construed to deny or to spare others retained by the people. Now, I interpret that as, hey, the Ninth Amendment basically says, don't screw around with the first eight amendments. So if you do any violation of the Second, Third, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment, as I've just laid out, you're also in violation of the Ninth Amendment. So these turds here in Virginia are trying to shred our Constitution, and I mean they are taking a shredder to it. They're not cutting little pieces out. I mean, they are actually shredding the shit out of it. So what are folks doing in not only Virginia, but in jurisdictions across the country where they're passing militia ordinances, bypassing in Virginia, that one law says that one or more people armed cannot get together and form a crowd or do any type of protesting or any type of congregating or law enforcement training. So they're passing that. However, there are jurisdictions across the country that are dubbing themselves as sanctuary gun jurisdictions. And basically, they are saying, we don't care what kind of laws you're passing. The people that live in this jurisdiction, mainly counties, will have the right to keep and bear their arms, regardless of what you say. And we even have a couple a couple of sheriffs in Virginia that says, okay, there's a way around it. Any law-abiding citizen that owns a firearm, if these laws get passed, I will deputize them, make them a law enforcement officer because he has every right to do that as an elected sheriff. And therefore, the people in his jurisdiction no longer are would have to succumb to the laws if they get passed. I have a big-time feeling that these turds down in Richmond at the Capitol and in legislative building are starting to seriously rethink all of this. But we we shall see. And I had mentioned posse comitatus, and posse comitatus is limits. It does not allow for the Army or the Air Force to conduct civilian or enforce civilian laws inside the continental United States. The Army and the Air Force. Let me say that again. It restricts the Army and the Air Force from conducting civilian laws, enforcing civilian laws inside of the continental United States. Army and Air Force. The Posse Comitatus was originally adopted from British, British law from where the sheriff of a jurisdiction or an area could deputize any able-bodied male from the ages of 15 and older to assist him in the enforcement of the law. That's where you see the Posse and the sheriff going out in the old movies and they go find the cattle rustler and hang them. Later, they even they expanded that in 1878 because the Army could not conduct law enforcement on the soil of the United States, and then later on, the Air Force was added to that. That is where the Posse Comitatus comes in, and that's where it limits the military, Army, and Air Force from conducting operations on U.S. soil. So then it was raised that they could call out the National Guard, to go around and confiscate everybody's guns. Well, first off, there's about 2 million people in the state of Virginia. There's about 8,000 National Guard members in the state of Virginia. So that kind of don't fly. And then the National Guard still swears an allegiance to uphold the Constitution of the United States, even though they are state soldiers. Now, what does that actually mean? In our military, we have five branches to our military, and then recently we just got a sixth one, the Space Force. That doesn't apply right now. So you have the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and the Coast Guard. 
The Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines are federalized troops. They can only conduct operations on designated areas inside of the United States that is considered to be federal land for a federal military base. They cannot conduct operations outside of that. They're not supposed to. Now, sometimes when you see them doing these exercises where they roll up on the beach, they're rolling up on the beach that is dubbed military property. That's a military federal-owned land. So when they conduct these military operations within the 12 miles of the United States, they have to get special permission to be within 12 miles of the continental coast of the United States from the Pentagon on orders of the Secretary of Defense. That's the only way they can do that particular operation. So most of the time, the Navy conducts 99% of its operations 12 miles or further off the coast of the United States in international waters. You don't see them rolling up on the beach in Virginia Beach. All of a sudden, people start parting to the side. Hey, we got a military folks coming in or down in Daytona Beach or up in Ocean City, Maryland or out of Newport Beach in California. They're doing it on military basis. When you start looking at being out in the international waters is 12 miles off the coast of any country. When the Navy bring their aircraft in, or when they bring their naval vessels in, it has to be brought into a military naval compound. You don't see a naval military boat pulling up to a dock up in South Carolina, or you don't see a military helicopter landing over in a civilian airport. Now, the Coast Guard, even though they're considered to be federal troops, They are the actual Navy that protects our shores, the waters of the United States. Anything within 12 miles of the continental shelf of the United States, that's what they protect. Anything outside of 12 miles of the continent of the United States, that's for the United States Navy. And our federal troops are there, even though we have pockets of them throughout the United States, their ultimate job is to go out to foreign countries and fight and defend the well-being of the United States out in foreign countries. So where does the National Guard come in? The National Guard falls under two military branches, the Army and Air Force, and they started out as being state troops. The National Guard answers to the governor of a state. The governor of a state, if he sees there's something happening or going on, and he sees that he needs the National Guard to go out for a flood, a bad hurricane, And or if someone would be crazy enough to come and try to invade the shores of the United States, the first military force that they would run into would be the National Guard. Now, the National Guard is considered to be the organized militia, where a National Guard troop, he actually goes home at night, sleeps in his own bed, gets up and goes to his National Guard base every day for his job. This is kind of the way around having housed troops in the United States. Because the next step is, if the President of the United States sees that he needs more troops somewhere in the world, he has to call a governor up and ask permission to bar some of his state troops, some of his National Guard troops. When the governor says yes, and let's say it's a thousand of them, those thousand National Guard troops go in and they actually get sworn in as federal troops. They are no longer state troops for the state they're in. They are now considered to be nationalized federal troops representing either the United States Army or the United States Air Force. 
at that point in time, once they're federalized, technically they're not supposed to go back and sleep or spend a night at their house because that is against the Third Amendment of housing federal troops in a, in a residence in the continental United States. They're supposed to go and stay at the military barracks until they get deployed. At one time, there was a big debate over off-base military housing around military bases where you had federalized military troops that was representing one of the four branches of military, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines, not actually residing on the military base, but technically they were off on private citizen land somewhere out in the continental United States, not on the military base. So they have kind of gotten away from the housing of federal troops to a certain degree. They kind of take it with a grain of salt, and it's understandable, especially when you have a base that only has room for so many people, and then you have folks that want to get married, and obviously they can't have their wives and their children living on the base in some aspects. They want to have, they want to be living off of a military base within a couple miles of the actual base and be able to enjoy their family and so forth. So this Third Amendment non-housing of federal troops is pretty much having a military dressed out personnel coming in and open the door and saying, okay, get out of the way. You go sleep on the floor or get out of the house. I'm staying in your house tonight because I'm a military troop. So that's kind of how that cookie crumbles. They don't kind of enforce that, but that's technically, if you do the riddle law, that's how it's supposed to be. When they get deployed and they're acting on the behalf of the entire United States and they finish their deployment and come back, they actually get defederalized and be, get turned back into state troops. Once again, then they are under the rule of the governor of each individual state that they serve in. So even though the National Guard is considered to be state troops that answer to the governor of that state, since the United States government has come in and supplemented financially and allow them to use federalized military equipment from the Army and the Air Force, ultimately, the National Guard answers to the Pentagon as far as posse comitatus is concerned. The laws, as long as they are directed by, understand this, they are directed by the Secretary of Defense on orders of the President of the United States to rescind the order in which they reside under. So let me say that again. The National Guard, the Navy, and the Marines fall under a order that has been given under the guise of the Pentagon and the Pentagon can receive that order at any time and allow the National Guard to go out and enforce civilian law. But it has to be from the orders of the Pentagon on direction of the President of the United States, not from the state governor in which they are reside. Those troops are only there for protection as far as protecting the citizens of that particular state. That's it. And the only way... The Army or the Air Force could enforce civilian law and and or arrest someone and getting around posse comitatus is the President of the United States declaring martial law in the state of Virginia. That's the only way the members of the Army and the Air Force can enforce civilian law. Since the National Guard also falls under the 
Army, and the Air Force if the president were to declare martial law in the state of Virginia that once again pulls in the National Guard, which are under the Army and the Air Force, and then once again the National Guard could then go out and enforce civilian law. So there's two ways that National Guard can be used to enforce civilian law, either by orders from the Pentagon or by declaring martial law by the President of the United States. That's it, period. So a National Guard troop of a state does not have the lawful right to go out and effect an arrest on any American citizen. When you have the governor saying he's going to send the National Guard around to gather up weapons, that's in violation of posse comitatus. And for civilian law, state governor cannot have people going around representing the National Guard of the state of Virginia confiscating weapons. It's against posse comitatus. Now, declaring martial law doesn't affect the Marines and the Navy. The only way the Marines and the Navy can act within side the continent of the United States is a directive from the Secretary of Defense, which basically would be on the order of the President of the United States. There's no law out there actually stopping the, the Navy or the Marines from conducting operations inside the continental United States. So let's think about that for a minute. How many times have we heard where the President has sent the Marines in various places doing certain things. We've heard of some operations that have taken place. There was one that took place out in California where they went in and pulled out some biohazard materials. And I have that in my Shifty Shift, Adam Shift podcast. And I go into that. The way Trump could get around any type of order given by a governor of a state to his National Guard that he knows is against a constitution and or you'd also have to convince the soldiers to violate their oath to the constitution. The president can declare martial law in small specific areas or an entire state. If he declared martial law, he automatically becomes control takes control over the troops of a given state. Therefore, then the National Guard would be under orders from the President of the United States bypassing the state governor, Mr. Northam. And earlier I had stated that the President would have to declare martial law and take control of the National Guard in a particular state. He also can direct the Secretary of Defense to rescind their directive. And at that point in time, because it is a directive for the National Guard, because they're not federalized troops yet, and then the president can then take over National Guard. So there's two ways the president can take over National Guard troops. He can declare martial law, or he can get the Secretary of Defense to rescind the order that bars the Navy, the Marines, and the National Guard from conducting law enforcement operations, civilian law enforcement operations inside the continental United States. So I want to declare that up. I don't want to confuse you on that. Now, in 1903, there was a redefined law. It was the Act of 1903 about the United States militia. And obviously, back in our founding fathers, when they put into the Second Amendment a well-regulated militia. So this is how it kind of reads. All able-bodied men from the ages of 17 to 45 that is not U.S. military or National Guard personnel come to the aid of the country against aggressors, foreign and domestic, that would also include a corrupt government. So the actual people's militia would be considered your unorganized militia, 
the act of 1903 gives, and the previous act set by our fathers, gives civilians the right to come together as a militia and to defend the United States against aggressors, foreign or domestic, even including a corrupt government. So this one law that says it's against in Virginia, that would say it's against the law for one or more people to get together that are armed for basically for any particular reason is in violation of that law. The right for the people to form their own militia against a corrupt government. And basically, that's what's happening here. We got a corrupt government here in Virginia, and that law would allow folks to form to be able to go against the corrupt government regardless of what little laws that they want to put on the books and think they're going to enforce or defend. Because I can tell you, as I've stated, with direction of the President of the United States, he can either declare martial law and take control of the National Guard, or he can direct the Secretary of Defense to rescind the order. And not only can he take control of the National Guard, he can also send in the Marines and the Navy. But he can send in the Marines, the Navy, and take control of the National Guard. So that's where we stand, folks, with this, these laws in Virginia, these unconstitutional laws. I hope I've helped explain to you the difference between the National Guard, the militia, posse comitatus, what the laws are, and what some options are the president has. So, folks, if you would, like, share, and subscribe on my channel. Hit that little notification button down there so you'll get notified every time I post another podcast. If you would, be so kind as to support my channel either over on my GoFundMe page or my Patreon page. Once again, I thank you so much for taking your time to hear my podcast. This is In the Search for Truth and Justice with yours truly, Will Kanishi, on The Will Kanishi Show. Everybody shout! For you to be heard